Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. New DNA-based discoveries in the science of human origins have disrupted long-established views of how we came to be and who we in fact are. These new discoveries will require a significant revision of the National Alliance's own book, Who We Are, by William Pierce. And these new discoveries are being exploited by Jews to, no surprise here, undermine the identity and cohesion of the European race. In other words, to attack white people, shatter their confidence, to convince them that blending themselves out of existence through racial mixture is inevitable and good, and to convince them that to oppose our own extinction is somehow hateful. And some of these discoveries do undermine old-fashioned racialism, but they do not undermine the higher racialism, the true understanding held by us in the National Alliance. To understand this, you must first have some preliminary understandings. The Jew David Reich, a scientist at Harvard, has written a book, Who We Are and How We Got Here, which I will just call How We Got Here, or HGH, for the purposes of this broadcast, to prevent confusion with Dr. William Pierce's excellent, if outdated, book, Who We Are. I want to address the way Reich and his fellow Jews are misusing these discoveries. But first, there are some very important preliminaries. I must share. It isn't often that I recommend that all my listeners read or listen to something, something so important that it is essential, something that if you don't understand it, you essentially understand nothing. I've said that about certain pieces by Revelo Oliver, such as What We Owe Our Parasites and The Origins of Christianity. I've said it about some of Dr. William Pierce's work, such as those contained in our new book, Cosmotheism, Religion of the Future. And I've said it about William Gailey Simpson's Which Way Western Man. Without exposure to those works, your understanding of our people's history and spirituality is incomplete. I hope I don't come across as egotistical, but I want to make sure that all of my listeners also familiarize themselves with a couple of my works. One is my piece on the reality of evolution. Relatedness and the encyclopedia prove evolution is real. And the other is my recent American Dissident Voices broadcast, titled Racial Purity. If you don't understand those pieces, you don't understand 
the fundamentals of our struggle. You won't understand the most important parts of this broadcast. You won't understand what I'm saying about the latest DNA discoveries. So here's point number one in capsule form. Evolution is real. The fact that gene patterns are identical for vast swaths of our genome and the genomes of other primates, to say nothing of humans and other mammals, humans and reptiles, etc., shows that we and they shared a common origin. And since we are different now, we must have changed over time. We evolved. The fact that we evolved is indisputable, and it is also that simple. It's as if our genome and a small mammal's genome are each an edition of a 100,000-page encyclopedia. If the second encyclopedia is word for word, punctuation mark for punctuation mark, identical to the first 94,000 pages of the first encyclopedia, who would be fool enough to deny that they had a common source? That's the difference, by the way, between our genome and a mouse's. Also, we know that life forms that did not exist millions of years ago do exist now. Therefore, some of the old forms must have changed into the forms we have now. Another simple proof that evolution is real is this. Any self-replicating system operating in the real world, like living beings, must replicate slightly differently at certain times and places compared to other times and places. This is an unavoidable fact of life on Earth. Some places offer more sunlight, more food, less ultraviolet radiation, higher or lower temperatures. These factors change constantly over time and also with location. Also, we know that the genetic programming of the living beings is not exact from individual to individual. The gene replication always introduces variations. Therefore, the replication of the self-replicating beings will differ. That is, the replications will not be exact replications. In some cases, the replications will be less able to successfully replicate themselves in the always-changing environment. In other cases, they will replicate themselves more effectively than their parent beings. Gradually, the population of better replicators will increase, and that of poorer replicators will decrease changing the average characteristics of the population. 
this will happen differently in different locations. So differing populations will emerge. Races will emerge. And given enough time, races evolve into new species. And then crossbreeding becomes impossible or practically impossible. Thus, evolution is inevitable and it is constantly happening. This is incontrovertible. And if you don't understand this, you don't understand what races are and are ill-fitted to preserving our own. A corollary to this truth is that racial separation is necessary for evolution to take place at all. All living species that exist or have ever existed have undergone racial divergence and separation as a necessary step in speciation. Thus, racial separation is not only not evil, it is necessary and it is sacred if anything is sacred. Point number two in capsule form. Racial purity is not something of the past, something that must inevitably be whittled down by time, despite our best efforts in the supposedly lost cause of preserving it. No, not at all. Racial purity is something that exists primarily in the future, and the long-term trend is for it to continually increase. This point is difficult for some people who've spent their entire lives thinking of it the wrong way, the backwards way. But the right way is actually very simple, elegantly simple. 200,000 years ago, and for all time before that, since the beginning of life, all the ancestors of all the modern races were the same race. There was, insofar as the races that now exist are concerned, zero percent purity. No purity whatsoever. Today, Blacks and whites and Asians and Jews and other races have emerged and are notably different from one another. Therefore, purity has increased over time. Is the purity of our race 100% now? No, that is not true either. The only meaningful way to look at purity is as degree of difference. Surely, that degree of difference can be increased. So 100% is not here yet. I suggest that when our race has achieved a degree of difference at which it is not possible to interbreed with blacks, then we will have achieved 100% purity with respect to them.
and such a degree of purity with respect to Jews or Athens or other races shall have been achieved when we can no longer interbreed with them either. The good news is that the trend of evolution, the long-term trend of nature, is to increase that purity, increase that degree of difference over time. Thus, fighting for racial purity is not fighting a rearguard, essentially hopeless action against inevitable panmixia and degradation and dysgenic decline. No, not at all. Fighting for racial purity is moving forward, supporting the natural direction of nature herself. And we would say it is in accord with the inevitable, unstoppable trend of nature and of life, which is evolution toward ever higher states. So, now comes along David Reich, the strangely named Harvard Jew and his book HGH. In many ways, Reich does good work. He familiarizes us with the new science of extracting ancient DNA from the bones of ancient peoples, and the analysis of that DNA using some very clever techniques. These analyses can show us within the bounds of error margins and possible multiple explanations, the relatedness, the ancestries, and the migrations of these ancient peoples. Far from all of this work has been done by Jews, most of it appears to be being done by white scientists, which is what you'd expect. But apparently we need Jews to explain it all to us. As always, at least according to the gatekeepers of the media and publishing worlds. And Reich performs as expected. The keynote, the overriding and ever-present theme of these new discoveries in ancient human DNA, according to Reich, is the rich tapestry of racial mixture which they uncover. When Reich places a map of 30 different ancient human populations on the fly leaves of his book, he doesn't make the map legend read 30 ancient human races or 30 ancient human populations or anything like that. No, his legend reads 30 population mixtures. Failing to sufficiently highlight the fundamental issue that for mixtures to exist, there must be some distinct and unique things to mix together in the first place, Reich insists throughout the book that it is mixture events that are what define who and what we are. To be fair, let me point out that Reich does say that the mixture events took place between, quote, highly differentiated, close quote, populations, which he admits come into existence again and again throughout human prehistory. 
the tools we have been given to understand ourselves since the advent of genetic sequencing have shown beyond any doubt that racial differences are real. And science popularizers and gatekeepers like Reich have been forced to admit this again and again and again. So Reich also takes on the role of simultaneously admitting that racial differences are real, are heritable and measurable, and are not trivial, all the while trying to fit these truths into a framework that leaves the arguments for a multiracial society intact. It's a difficult job, hedging and backfilling and essentially lying like that. But along the way, Reich positions himself, believe it or not, as the politically incorrect, or at least politically neutral, scientist revealing these truths to a doubting world. He says, quote, DNA studies reveal the deep history of inequality among differing populations, between the sexes, and among individuals, close quote. Sounds almost like something I might say. But lest you get the correct idea that we should be concerned about the survival of our particular race or type, Reich hastens to construct a narrative essentially stating that it is the mixture of separately evolved types of humans that defines us instead of the evolutionary forces that brought the distinct types of humans into existence in the first place. Very subtle, that, and very clever, and also very deceptive. Perhaps it is only natural for Jews, products of a very recent and very significant mixture event, which left their predominantly Middle Eastern ancestry, about 40% mixed with Europeans, to see the world this way. The centerpiece in Reich's rich tapestry of mixture is the ancient admixture with Neanderthals that is shared by both Asians and Europeans, though not with unmixed sub-Saharan Africans. And that is where I will resume this vital topic in my next American Dissident Voices broadcast. <laughs> ¶¶ 